Well, hey, everyone. Uh, I want to welcome you to the Always in Pursuit podcast. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And joining me today, I have Megan. Good morning. And I also have Pastor Mark. What's up, everyone? This is our, is this our fourth week, fifth week, something like that? I think it's our third. 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 It just yep. feels like a long time. It does. It does feel <laughs> like a long time. Uh, we are in the middle of our Here for Good series, and so the reason we're doing this podcast is just to have a follow-up conversation after each week's message and kind of dive a little bit deeper into the stream of consciousness of Pastor Mark and unpack some of the ideas and topics and themes that were covered on Sunday. Yeah, and just a quick recap on Sunday. Um, I, you know, I struggle with how to preach that passage because I read... This is one of those interesting things about being a pastor. Sometimes you read the commentaries and uh, you read what other really smart pastors have said about things and you just disagree with them. You just... <laughs> it's weird, right? Like most of the time I will think, if I'm the only one on this island, I shouldn't preach it this way, right? Um because smarter people than me have said other things about it and what they have said made sense. So I, I kind of hedged a little, but when I read that second part of chapter one, where the disciples are told to wait and then they don't, and then they use an archaic method to replace one of the, um, you know, one of the, the 12, essentially one of the, the apostles and I can see now what God was doing the entire time because we have the rest of the New Testament and we know what he was doing in Paul or mm -hmm. in Saul at that point, Saul of Tarsus at that point. Um, and so, you know, I've read, I read multiple commentaries and multiple takes on the passage and, you know, thought most people were saying, no, nope, these guys are doing what's right. They're anchoring in scripture. They're looking for, you know, prophecy They're which by the way, the two prophecies that they chose were like completely separated from each other. And, sort of out of context. Like if I had, <laughs> if I had used prophecy that way, the Old Testament yeah. now people would be calling me a heretic. Um, so, and it was their first attempt at it. So like not probably, I don't really want to say that they were being, you know, um, <laughs> heretics. Like sure. yeah. don't really want to call Peter a heretic. Probably not right to, yeah. to do that. But when I read it, I read confused people trying to do something. Just want to stay active. Want to keep things moving. And, um, I know what that feels like, mm -hmm. you know, I think we've all been in situations where like, um, we were in a time where we felt uncomfortable where we're either waiting or suffering or, um, you know, it's a, it's a time where we're not in control and what do we do? We try to control things. Yeah. Totally. It's the first thing we do. We like find something to control. Yeah. So in this case, it feels like when I read this, you know, when I process this, this part of, of, uh, acts, it's, it feels like they are feeling out of control and here's something they can do to be in control. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I preached it. But I did give the caveat that like, there's two ways to read this and mm -hmm. maybe I do have it wrong, but I, I think, you know, when I was reading it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Israelites in Exodus, uh, coming out of Egypt and, you know, being at the foot of Mount Sinai when Moses, Moses, like I, well, I watch too many kids shows. <laughs> the mouse version of Moses. Um, when Moses goes up to the top to receive the Ten Commandments, and like, dude is gone for like a minute, and what do they do? They like every sin in the book. Like, you know, what I mean, but they collect all the Egyptians' gold and they make yeah, golden calves. Yeah, it's yeah. actually going to play into this week's totally. And, and so, like, what I'm trying to say is. I'm sure in that moment, like if you could somehow be there and understand the mindset, like having gone through everything that they had gone through on some level, it's not like they were just primed and ready for debauchery and they were just waiting for like dad to leave. I think they, on some level, they just thought like, this is the best we can do in the absence of leadership in the absence of vacuum, like bathed in fear and on the unknown. Like, so I think part of that, it's similar to like, those apostles, <laughs> you know, the disciples, like, well, uh, Jesus is gone again. Um, we know he said this, but you know, we gotta do something. We can't just, we can't just sit here. Like, you know, so I, there, I think there might be a little bit of correlation there in kind of the mindset or 
thinking because I don't I think you're absolutely right that it is ironic from our vantage point to be like guys I, I mean two paragraphs ago he said wait wait right. here <laughs> you know right wait and, in and Jerusalem the, yeah that's pretty much what he told them and they're not like they're they're like uh, 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 Judas we gotta replace him uh, what does the Torah say <laughs> you know like it's just funny it, it, it's also funny that like they are not going to be obedient to either that, which is, you know, it seems like they went and did work even though they're supposed to wait, mm-hmm. or the you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, because it ends up being in chapter 8 where persecution breaks out against the church, and they're only scattered to Judea and Samaria because God literally forces them off of their spot in Jerusalem. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> they're not they're not really doing a great job on obedience throughout the first section of the book. Now, the church is beautiful. It comes together and it looks amazing. And it's the, the picture of what we're hoping for. I think what every church should be looking at and trying to model. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean that people are being obedient. You know, they're, yeah. they're not, they get forced into it. And even here, it's not like, you know, they don't get a spanking for what they are doing here. And mm-hmm. it's questionable whether what they're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. To me, it seems pretty clear to me. That's the way I read it. But, um, you know, and I've been in churches, too. This is one of the other things that, like, affects my reading of it. It's like I've been in churches, too, where controlling leaders, when they don't have something to control or when they feel out of control in the church, they feel like they can't make everything's not going up and to the right the way they they hoped it would. Then they start controlling the things that they can, uh, which turns into, you know, I, I would say, like, those are the kinds of churches that, like, burn people out, use people. Um, they're the kind of churches where the pastors or leaders could be elders. You know, there's all kinds of different people in charge of things. They just get really controlling in other areas when they can't control the like trajectory of the church. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've been in those situations too, where you're just like, boy, this isn't fun for anybody because now we have this like top down controlling regime. That's like basically trying to be in control in a place because they can't, be in control of what they want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you got to get okay in your relationship with God personally. And as a church, being in a waiting time period, being in a suffering time period, being in a time period where you can't make things go the way you want them to go, you know? And so I just kind of felt like that was the connection point for this week's sermon, this week's passage. Um, and then this next coming week is going to be very interesting because I do feel like there's this, um, there's this uh, significant group of Christians out there who are unchanged by the Holy Spirit, yet who advocate for this life in the kingdom, who advocate for this following Jesus thing. And they don't even realize that what they're doing is actually like hurting the witness of Christ in the world. Like Mm -hmm. if you're an untransformed person telling other people to become transformed, it gets really old really quick. Mm. And I think one of the major things that we hear from people is, you know, the church is so judgmental and you know what, where that judgment comes in is when we have people who are holding people to a standard that they themselves haven't, or asking them to experience something they themselves haven't experienced or asking them to do something they themselves haven't done. You know, like if you're going to be a witness for Christ, you have to be transformed. And that starts with the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. And uh, I think it's this weird thing that people are like afraid to like dig into or not sure how to stay in step with the Holy Spirit or walk with the Holy Spirit. But it's like, if we don't figure that out as a church, if we don't figure that out as believers, like who wants what we have? Like what is compelling about being a Christian if people aren't being transformed by the Holy Spirit? Yeah. We've talked about this a couple of times. Um, it's the notion that in the American church over time, we have not like, you know, if you went to like any given church's website and you looked at their missions and their values, their belief statement, it's not going to say like, you got to be here every Sunday. <laughs> it's not going to say like, you have to listen to the pastor's sermon. You have to sing the three to five songs that we do during the worship set. Like, but even though it doesn't say that those become the values that becomes the mission. And so over time, like 
people start to naturally define church as that. That's their own personal expectation. Like I have to be there on a Sunday. And even over time that becomes watered down. Like I only have to be there twice a month or once a month. And so we, we continue to talk about things like faith and conversion, talk about living, uh, you know, life by the spirit, you know, being transformed, but those things don't really, even though we use those words in the language that we speak and understand, they don't have meaning that like goes deeper than a surface level. And I think that's where a lot of people are at. It's like, you know, they, they hear someone like you or me or us three talk about it. And they're like, what are you talking about? I, I, I do that. And you're like, okay, what does that look like? And then they, they deer in the headlights are like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think if you're honest, you ask a lot of people, what's your relationship with the spirit? Like, they're going to be like, I don't know. <laughs> I go to church. What is my relationship with the spirit? Like, you know, like, um, and I know I'm a weirdo, you know, like I am, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people that I walk into a room and I'm like asking spirit what's happening here. Right. What, what am I supposed to be doing in this moment? And, you know, M- Megan will attest to this, that when I go somewhere like, a retail establishment always or like Sam's club or mm-hmm. Costco. I talk to everyone like in an uncomfortable way. Right. Sometimes. Yeah. Megan's always like, stop it. Stop talking to those people. And I'm like, I love it when they're like people giving out the free samples. Well, this is probably pre COVID, but they're like a captive audience. And so I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to take a swing here. Let me see. Let me talk to you about Jesus. Like, let's see how this goes. Um, but yeah, just paying attention to people. I can't even tell you the amount of times where I've like, wandered into a conversation with somebody who was having like a rough day or having like a difficult moment who was like vulnerable to having a conversation about Mm -hmm. spiritual stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I just like, Oh, this ball's on the tee already. Might as well, might as well take a swing at it. Right. Like, you know, and it's not just evangelism, right? Like it's, it's even, you know, there are moments like I try to in the mornings spend some time um, thinking about, if there's somebody I need to text or someone needs encouragement or somebody I need to follow up with a conversation where I had this last weekend, the spirit brings them to mind. And mm-hmm. I often will text somebody and say, Hey, spirit brought you to mind. Here's what I'm praying for you for. I hope that's okay. Like, you know, so I just think like there's a lot of people out there. They don't think about living by the spirit at all. They just, it's not part of their regular daily routine. It's not something that they do. Um, you know, I realize I'm a pastor and I have the time to do that. And I, and thoughtful about it. It's something I've learned over time, probably from like more mature people in my own life. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I just wonder about if we're actually living transformed on a daily basis, if there's anything really different about us than just Mm -hmm. the next person. I mean, maybe we're just like, you know, uh, a little cleaner and I'll just put that in quotations, you know, like a little less likely to, to yell at somebody or swear or a little more in control of our emotions, uh, maybe a little bit less likely to, do something iffy, you know, but, but like that's that you can do that in your own power. Like it doesn't, yeah. I've met really like moral people who weren't Jesus followers at all and didn't have the spirit in their life a bit, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I just wonder if people are tapping into that power, that connection. So, I mean, that's kind of where the sermon's going this weekend. And I just, you know, we, we can't be the kind of church that talks about it, but then it doesn't happen. And I wonder, you know, I look around in worship uh, and I just see people standing there and I don't know what's happening in anyone's heart and mind. I preach and I see empty eyes, Mm -hmm. you know, like I get the gaze from somebody who's just not there, you know, and uh, maybe that's because I'm boring, but, (laughs) but I just, you know, I wonder about like, are people going through the motions or are they really living in the spirit? Um and I realized too, I grew up in a charismatic stream. So the spirit is part of my every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I know some people are Baptists or Lutherans or Catholics. That yeah. they, that's where they grew up. And the yeah. spirit's not like, uh, mm-hmm. it's not emphasized in the same way. Yeah. You know. So, although I have met some charismatic Lutherans, so I will say that. It's been some pretty interesting charismatic Lutherans out there that 
just don't understand how those go together, but they, there's a, there's a <laughs> whole group of them out there. Were they wearing like uh, rainbow colored vests, like part of a handbell choir or something like that? <laughs> just kidding. I don't even know what to do with that. No. Yeah. So, uh, so today I, I kind of wanted to maybe switch gears a little bit and, uh, I wanted to talk about transparency. Um, cause I think like one of the things that we're seeing out of like, especially younger people, again, a lot of this is rooted in connecting with millennials and Z. And I do think there are people who have been around the church a long time who are maybe Gen X or maybe even boomers who are fed up with kind of what they've seen in the church and the, tr- the lack of transparency. Um, and I, th- I think I know why this ends up happening if I'm going to be like, um, sort of think about it in the nicest way possible. I can see how somebody could accidentally run into a place where they begin to be less transparent as leadership in a church. Um, and then there's obviously more insidious reasons for not being transparent in a church, which we've seen some of those situations as well, where people are taking advantage of their power or doing something wrong or not wanting anyone to find out what they're up to. Um, and it's one of those things that we've really valued from the beginning. You know, you'll hear it in the way that we talk about finances uh, and the way that we talk about our decisions. We try to like open up the door mm-hmm. and explain how we make decisions and why we're making decisions. Um, we've always just tried to be like as honest as possible and then allow people to ask whatever they want and then try to like deal with their questions honestly. Mm-hmm. And it's been something that's been sort of a hallmark of who we are as a church. And I just like most churches don't do this. Um, not in the same way. Uh, there's a lot of what I would call narrative communication in churches and I've been in those churches too, where it's like there's a agreed upon language. Um, this could get political in a second here, but it's it's there's an agreed upon language that's decided ahead of time, and everybody on staff and everybody in the leadership is going to use the same terminology, and they're going to talk about it the same way, yep. and they're going to make sure that the the unified front to the congregation explains a narrative, and it's super controlling. It's one of those things where there's a reason why we're communicating like a PR firm instead of like pastors or, or staff or, or elders. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think younger people especially just see right through it. Yeah. They go, yeah, we live in a time now where PR firms are like a thing and brands mm-hmm. are trying to control their image and where people are trying to get out ahead of whatever the, you know, the, the thing that's coming against them is, and they're trying to explain it away. And they, they are, they have grown up and they're used to, you know, Amazon catering marketing specifically to their interests and their, you know, the, their, the things that they click on and the things that they look at. And so they're able to interpret that and see it in a way that we can't. So it's almost like they're viewing the world the same way Neo does in the matrix where like they can see the code as it's coming down and people like us, we see it sometimes. We're becoming more and more aware of that now, right. more so than we were five, ten years ago. <clears throat> but like the youngest generation, they have grown up with that. That is the ecosystem in, in which they are growing and becoming adults. And so they're very aware of that. And if the church is like that, if they hear a similar <laughs> you know, marketing strategy to them, regardless of who's doing it, they tend to be skeptical of it, best case. Worst case, they just reject it outright and walk away from it. Yeah, I've I've seen, especially as it pertains to politics and the media, that there's like a agreed upon narrative, and then you'll see four different <coughs> media media outlets frame it the same way, use mm-hmm. the same language, talk about it the same way. The politician will come out; they'll use the same language; they'll talk about it the same way, and it's like, I think like a young person looks at that and goes, mm, like me thinks you doth protest too much. Like (laughs) you might've tried too hard to like control this and explain it away. And I see that you're handling me. Mm -hmm. What are you hiding? Yes. And like, I don't want to be handled. I think there's a lot of younger people are just like, stop it. Like, Mm -hmm. and we laugh about things like pastor math, Mm -hmm. you know, like where like you count the number of people at an event and then you just add 50, 100, (laughs) Or if you were one famous pastor that I worked with, who uh, probably a lot of people wouldn't know, um, 
but uh, Chris Thompson, me and Chris Thompson used to make fun of this pastor, and we'd actually say, like, oh, his math is, like, unbelievable. He would be like, oh, there was 16,000 people that showed up for this event, and we were like, our church is, like, 700 people. I'm not really sure what you're, <laughs> how that's possible. Um, and still to this day, I'll use, I'll, I'll uh, invoke his name when I'm talking about pastor math, but, like, there's a narrative being built, right? If there's something difficult to talk about, and we ran into this like with COVID decisions last year so much, it's like, okay, turn the camera on, and I'd jump on and do a COVID update, for, mm-hmm. and I'd say, here's what our staff talked about. Here's what we're thinking. Yep. Here's how we're thinking about it. Are we perfect? Probably not. Are we? Do we have this 100% right? I don't know. But here's how we're moving forward. Yeah. And just trying to like give everyone as much information as possible so they can build trust. Yeah, we didn't want to just make a decision and be like, well, we said so, so fall in line. Like, that's never been a part of, like, that's kind of how I grew up in church. You just did what the pastors and elders said, and you trusted them, and you don't ask questions, and you move on. Um, Ask questions, please. Come talk to us all the time. Yes. Yeah. I've been a part of multiple churches where... Not only are they not transparent, but the things that they're telling you, like, you know, the Kool-Aid they're trying to get you to drink, they're ma- they're spinning it in a way where, like, this is the best possible thing. Like, this is, why would you not do this? They're not giving you any options. They're just telling you. And they're, like, painting such a beautiful picture that you're like, oh, yeah, this is great. You don't even know you're being lied to or things are being yeah. fabricated or covered up or it's a half truth or whatever. It's yeah. really, when you see it, in that light, it's sinister. Like, yeah, it's spin. Yeah. It's how do we talk about this to limit the exposure or damage and get people to fall in line and trust. Yeah. And it's controlling Mm -hmm. at the, at the base of it, it creates a, a relationship between the leadership of a church and the people that are, you know, just the, the average person in church that is now they're being handled they're being controlled, like the <laughs> the fallout's being controlled. And I just don't have a bone in my body for that. Like, totally. I always have struggled behind the scenes, even when I had to be part of a unified front at a yeah. church where it was like, people would ask me a question, I'd be like, well. Well, and let's get let's get this out there too. I think the churches that have done this or do this, struggle with this, I don't. We don't think that their leaders, whether it's their senior pastor, their lead pastor, their elder board, they're not like evil geniuses that are like necessarily trying to manipulate you or abuse you or make you do something nefarious. It's like there's a lot of reasons why. You know, I've known a lot of pastors. I've worked for some who they have PTSD. Like they've had so many wounds from members of their church or from former elders, former staff people. They've been wounded in a previous church job. Like they are gun shy. Yeah. And and they're like scared little puppy at a loud noise. Like and so they they try and spin things to avoid conflict, to avoid issues, to avoid another wound on right. top of a wound on top of a wound, you know? And so that doesn't necessarily make it okay at all. It just more <laughs> when you start digging pulling away some of those layers you realize like yeah this is all bad right all, all of it and let me let me be as kind as possible mm-hmm. to people in that situation uh because i think the average person in a church doesn't realize exactly how that pastor's thinking and what is actually at stake for them and it's things that you wouldn't even think about so like not only is it like losing control of the you know the the body, right? The church body. But when they're looking at an organization like that, that's large and there's a lot of moving parts. If something comes in and creates a wave that, you know, annoys 15% of the church. And if those 15% of the church walk away, that pastor now is doing damage control and trying to figure out how he's going to make payroll and how he's going to make budget and how the church is not going to take a step backwards. And like, I understand that's a real thing. Like there are definitely times when I think about like, um, and this is just being real. Like we have five staff members and like, I want to do better for them every year. And so I don't want us to take a step back 
financially because of something I did or said or didn't say or didn't do or, you know, um, so there's a burden that comes along with that where, you know, you have to think a little bit like an organization, which is just a, it's, it puts you in a weird place because you're almost like making decisions out of fear and Mm -hmm. that's never like a solid place to be. Yeah. And I think there's a difference between making decisions as like an organization and then also making decisions as like a movement. And I think movements just, we're not, you know, movement is not worried about the fallout. It's much more worried about doing what is uh, true to its values. And I would much rather our church be a movement than an, than like a sort of an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realize there's got to be some level of organization. I mean, it's, un- pretty, it's unavoidable. Pretty much why we have Megan. Like she's the one that makes everything happen for us. Like Megan, you are she's the like, organization. She's like, you need a process for this, bro. Um, and I don't mean it like in, uh, like, you know, if it were up to me, we'd just be like, you know, uh, kind of flying by the seat of our pants all the time. And we need people to put the processes in place that makes everything, you know, healthy. Mm-hmm. And so I like, I had, admit that I need those kinds of people in my life. It's essentially why me and Megan planted this church together, essentially. Um, and somebody I, I feel like I can trust implicitly. Um, but like when you're in an organization like that, you're afraid of what might be the next thing that will like attack the progress. And mm-hmm. I think that comes back to the idea of like, when you're thinking always up into the right, you know, you're, going to try to protect up into the right you're going to try to make sure that you see you see corporations do this all the time like there might be an employee that puts out a bad tweet and all of a sudden the company's like we fired that person and that doesn't represent our company and they're backtracking as quick as possible and Mm -hmm. you know they're thinking bottom line we don't want to lose dollars we don't want to have shareholders be upset we don't have investors be upset like we're we're catering to a lot of different people here not just our customers but all kinds of people I think when it comes to like a really big church and where there's tons and tons of money at stake and like the livelihood of a lot of people and, you know, like they're not necessarily thinking about the average person in the seats. They're thinking about the organization taking a step back or being hurt. Mm-hmm. It puts you in a weird spot. Mm-hmm. Like it, it turns a church into a corporation. And like I don't ever want us to be in a position where we're uh, afraid to do the right thing given whatever the outcomes might be. Mm-hmm. Like I want us to be able to do what is right. No matter, no matter what happens. Um, and I think that is a difference between a corporation and a, and a movement movements. They just make decisions that are consistent with their values. That's what they do. Yeah. And they don't worry about the fallout. The fallout is going to be what it is. And, and part of this is, comes down to i think those pastors and those churches or those churches that operate like that or that have that much at stake that can't even get out of their own way sometimes in those situations um it's about making sure that you keep hold of every single person possible Mm -hmm. you have to continually bring them in and keep them forever and if any of them leave then it starts to threaten what you're doing and you get to a place where you start to try to please the church Mm -hmm. as opposed to be the church. Right. And I think that's where we get ourselves in trouble. You know, there've been plenty of times as a church where we've realized that the way we're going to do things and the way that our church is, it's not going to jive with every person. Mm -hmm. And we're not desperate to hold on to every single person that comes to pursuit. We want people who believe in the movement, believe in the call that we have as a church, believe in what we're doing and how we're doing it to be on our team. And if people don't, share those values. We don't try to grasp tightly to them. We try to find the right church for them. Mm. Right. Yep. And I, I tend to be the person that has to tell Mark to cool those jets every, <laughs> a little bit. Sometimes you, there have been times where it seems like you're more, more than willing to help someone go somewhere else. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> no, I think like, I think you're absolutely right. I think the trouble that churches can get into for a variety of reasons is to use that corporate analogy, you know, your, your board is, are your church leaders, whether those are elders or like your key stakeholders, your investors are the people who give weekly and monthly, you know, 
And so if you get to the point where you're more worried about hurting those things because it's the bottom line or it's going to shift our momentum or undergird people's trust in me as a leader or trust in this church or trust in what we're trying to accomplish, then your motives switch because then it becomes just about preservation, preserving the movement or preserving the direction. Instead of dealing with currency, like our currency needs to be the original intent and purpose of the church, which was set forth by Christ, you know, and, and we see that in acts as in the first church and what those guys were trying to do, what those guys and gals were trying to do first in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And, you know, this, this thought kind of goes way back to the very beginning of this conversation, but it's like, if Christians are good at one thing, we're good at messing up. Like seriously, you know, whether it was those disciples, like not listening to Jesus and trying to figure things out and, you know, in between the Holy Spirit coming, whether it's like, you know, the Catholic church going wayward, whether, you know, there's just so many things over the last several thousand years of church history where we tend to get it wrong more than we get it right. And so just trying to, again, get back to the original intent of what we're trying to do in this sermon series is peel back those layers of, not just focusing on the issues, but like what, what actually is going to make this work in a way that makes sense? You know, what actually is going to focus our time and our energy, our spirituality, our relationships collectively for the betterment of the kingdom that could look like a, a giant, you know, several thousand people, multi-site church that could also look like a couple hundred people meeting at a community center in Mount Zoo, you know? And there's a lot of room in between. And so it's more about saying, well, we're not going to do this because we know this is not focused on Christ. And we know we're not going to do this because we know that's not focused on Christ. But we are going to do this because we know this gets at the heart of what the church should be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this goes to our value of being big K kingdom people. Because I'm just thinking about, we don't think we're the only thing God is doing we know that he's doing a lot and through a lot of organizations, a lot of different groups of people. And we're confident in what he's called us to do, which means that when we are able to put that out for people and say, Hey, here's what we're doing. This is what God's called us to do. Here's Mm -hmm. how he's called us to do it. It doesn't look the same as everything else around us. I mean, I can't, I I know we've used this illustration a million times, but like, this is the first question people ask me, like, when are you going to get a building? Maybe never. (laughs) That's my answer. Maybe never. Hope you're comfortable with that. It's our philosophy is mm-hmm. we want to be in the middle of it. Wait till we get to the disciples going into the like uh, the extended courts of the temple and holding outdoor public services to, to share the gospel with people. Like I feel like it's what we get to do every week. You know what I mean? Like I feel like we're in a community center where people are at. They understand. They know where it is. They know they've been in our room before. They know exactly. Th- it, it's comfortable for them to show up to it. And it's like you know. That's our philosophy. I don't care. I'm going to tell people that's what it is. And if they're like, no, I need a, we need a big, beautiful building, you know, cause that's what churches are supposed to be. And I'm like, that's all right. Like definitely one of those down the road. You probably passed three of them on the way to here. Like let's, <laughs> let's find you one. Like it's not that I, I don't care yeah. that 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 they're, that they have a different viewpoint. Like, yeah, we just don't jive. Like it's okay yeah. for us to be like, here's who we are. Here's what we're called to do. Are you in on this or not? Yeah. And to be confident, like the most desperate person, uh, you know, who's trying to hold on to every person that comes to their church just comes off as being desperate. And I think like younger, like people are much more interested in churches that kind of know who they are, Mm -hmm. know what they're trying Mm -hmm. to do and can communicate it clearly and can invite them into it. And if it's not for them, they know quickly. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like it's nothing against them, nothing against us. Yeah. yeah. And we're just not going to take the time or the energy to try and like every single time convince you this is why we're doing it. Like totally. yeah. when we have the same heart across the board, you can be like, I get that. I'm on board with that. And then when we do events or outreach or whatever it is, we don't have to convince you to get on board. You're already on board. Mm-hmm. Right. And you get it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like, hear us when we say this, pursuit at some point in the future may have a building, but it's not a priority and it's not 
something that like if it if it ever happens it's going to be because god has clearly communicated through the spirit like this is the direction that he wants this church to Mm -hmm. go for reasons a b and c Mm -hmm. if we were trying to say like well in year six we need to at least have a plan or a, a capital campaign or something like that that is not letting the spirit drive like that is us saying we're making these plans this is what we're trying to manipulate Mm -hmm. we're trying to and then that gets to exactly what we're talking about it's like you're not trusting in the spirit to lead you the spirit may lead us to be in the mount community center for the entire lifespan of this church great (laughs) spirit might change something six months from now and it could be completely different so what we're trying to say is it's like we're not vilifying churches that necessarily have buildings although we kind of are just no, no, we're kidding. <laughs> yeah, um, but what we're trying to say is that, like the the priority is is not to micromanage the spirit. It's not to try and put our like graft in our own plans and desires to what we think God is trying to do. It's it's retreating back to that safe spot of like we know this is for sure what God wants. So let's stay right there. Yep. And if something else happens, great. We will be listening. We'll keep our spiritual radar on. And we'll be waiting for the Spirit to tell us that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think more than anything else, like, it comes back to, are we going to desperately try to hold on to and control every person? Are we going to try to keep every person happy? Yeah. And we're much less interested in keeping every person happy than we are in being true to the values that we have as a church. Yeah. And that may lead to conflict, or it may lead to people waking up one day and going, this really isn't the church for me. Mm -hmm. And we're okay with that. We're like, Hey, what is the church for you? And I've had this conversation with plenty of people that what they wanted from our church was not what we were ever going to give them. And we've talked through what would be a better place for you and your family and, you know, uh, sent them gladly down the road, Mm -hmm. both for them and for us. You know, I mean, I've had conversations about, you know, people who wanted us to be a conservative political church. And I was like, yep, not going to happen. Like we're, (laughs) going to have a lot of people in both camps and if you can't handle it that's there's one right over there mm-hmm. they would love to have you um you know they're gonna lead you in that direction if <laughs> that's what you're looking for yeah. you know and it was an idolatry conversation on the way out too where i was like hey be careful this is mm-hmm. where this goes um but like there's been plenty of people and i i think one of the interesting things because we're we're getting into our governance now and we're starting to like really work on getting our governance kind of figured out um so people who don't know our church has been basically run by a board of three people me pastor david soren who and then pastor uh jeremy from cornerstone and those three the three of us have basically run the church from day one and it's it's basically meant to be a temporary solution for your governance Mm -hmm. while you're getting up on your feet and one of the things that kills churches in their first like five six years is actually having a team governing your church before you really um before you really know the leaders that you are going to put on that group and before you really know kind of who you are as a church yeah because what happens is people have ideas for the church that they think it should go in this direction or they want they have like a an agenda for the church and they get themselves into leadership and then they just start creating havoc and so <clears throat> we're in that time frame now where we're creating those structures those boards and those leadership structures that'll basically leave the church. Oh, it'll take over control from that temporary board of the three. And now it'll look more like a traditional mm-hmm. way of leading um, where we'll have a board with elders and deacons on it, basically who will be making decisions from a high level perspective. And we'll have the staff running the day to day operations. And, um, you know, that's one of been, been one of those things where it's like, I've been almost fearful to get that rolling because I, it's such a big decision to put somebody in leadership over it. They have to have the same values and direction. And if there's any kind of agenda or they like have any Mm -hmm. sort of like play where they want to take the church in a certain direction, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it can be, you can go off the rails quick, you know, by having just a few of the wrong leaders in, in, in place. Um, and it's been so easy for us to streamline and make decisions as a staff and with the consent of the, the three sort of board members, Um, so far that way of leading has been really great for us to really focus in and know what our values are and affirm those and continue to make decisions based on those. And it's been very 
kind of easy going to run things in the way that is true to who we are. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I hope that won't change in the new paradigm, but <laughs> yeah. So if you're thinking about being an elder, you better, well, if we're calling them elders or a board, but you better be on mission. Yeah. I think we're going to have, well, I hope we're going to have, a, we're going to have a board of elders and deacons. That's what I hope. Sweet. So we'll have yeah. men and women on that, on that board. Mm-hmm. And, um, that board will basically take a 50,000 foot view. They'll be a, yeah. a, above kind of, you know, guiding the theological conversation, guiding the leadership conversation, allowing the staff to do the day to day. But then they'll be making the guardrails essentially on the road that will keep the staff. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, or the, you could talk about like, they'll define the, the sandbox the staff gets to play in basically to use all these leadership (laughs) metaphors. Um, So love it. Yeah. I just think like being transparent goes back to being confident in who you are and being honest about where things are at and being again, able to explain why we're making decisions we're making and not being afraid to tell people that because our goal again is not to make every single person at this church happy. It's to, accomplish a mission mm-hmm. <laughs> right? like so i'm i'm not trying to spin anything totally and i'm not trying to give a message that you yeah. know controls the narrative so that people don't get upset i'm trying to keep us focused on the mission yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah i think one of the burdens that we and i've experienced this in different ways over the years in ministry and i feel it here being a part of this team and a part of this church being a leader, being a pastor, part of the burden is that we love God. We love God, but we also love you guys. And that sounds sappy. I'm not trying to be sappy. Like if it was just Aww. about, <laughs> if it was just about loving God, then I would not be in ministry, right? I would be off on my own loving God in my own way. But if it was because I love you guys and I care about everyone else and I, I want to use my experience and what few gifts I have to help people know and experience God and and Jesus the way I have over the years, it it creates this burden of wanting to help people. But that also means like the priority is always going to be like, if I have to choose between you guys and God, we have to choose God. And that means being transparent. And Mm -hmm. that means we're not going to do things that more serve the people than serve God. So, when we say transparent, that's not just to like safeguard ourselves and make people happy. It's because we want to make sure everyone is constantly reminded that the mission is still God. It's still Christ. It always will be. And that might mean in sort of a backwards way, like as weird as this sounds, that there might be people that fall off of, you know, that path with us. They might go to a different church, like you're saying, Mark. Yeah. But we want people to share the same heart and the same vision. And that means prioritizing God first and then, leveraging like God's that same shared love that he has for people leveraging that in ways that make sense and not trying to make it about growth or about numbers, about a building, about any of that jazz. Like it's, it's all about God. Yeah. I think, boy, my brain had a really good thought. (laughs) This is like the story of my life. I broke Mark. (laughs) No. Um, I think this goes back to what we talked about the first week. I mean, if you if you see the church as being something designed to serve you, you mm-hmm. think a certain way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you see the yourself as the church designed to get hip to hip with people to accomplish the mission, you see things differently. Mm-hmm. And we are much more the second than the first. Absolutely. You know, and I think there are churches out there who will cater to every group imaginable because, again, you know, we have this young adults ministry because we are trying to reach these young adults and have them be part of in in our church. And it's like, no, I want the young adults to be like hip to hip accomplishing the mission. Like, oh, we have this, you know, like even men's and women's like I I actually am kind of ready to start some men's and women's events again. I think it'd be good for us to maybe this winter have some men's breakfasts or some ladies 
I don't know. What do ladies do? Tea? Ladies eat food too. Ladies Let's tea. Not... Ladies <laughs> tea. Ladies quilting hour. It wasn't scrapbooking, so okay. he's moving in the right direction. We might be cutting that for the, the podcast. The only thing in my mind, Megan, was don't say scrapbooking because <laughs> Megan's going to yell at me. I give him a hard time because anytime he tries to come up with an example of what women do, mm-hmm. it's scrapbooking. I don't know. Let's. We should start a men's scrapbooking br- group it. just to spite. <laughs> You're going to be the only one there. thing? <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, women like breakfast, too. Yeah, sure. Women's breakfast. We also like arts and crafts, so. Okay. I mean, at it some is, point. It is I feel slightly, like if I said that, you would have gave me a hard time about it. Probably. It's slightly ironic that I laughed when Mark said women's tea and Megan is drinking a giant glass of tea right now, so. <laughs> it's delicious. Yeah. So, but the church is not here to serve you know, like, the church does not exist to serve you. Mm-hmm. You are the church. You're here to get hip-to-hip with people and accomplish the mission. The mission is to reach people who aren't, you know, uh, who don't know Christ. You know, and so what we when we do things like that, when we do, like, a men's ministry, for instance, it's because we want our men to be more equipped to reach the world, or we want our men to be in a healthier position to reach the world, or mm-hmm. we want our men to be more connected so they're more likely to do that. Like, there needs to be a a real philosophical change where you go from being consumer based where like hey we're here to give you something mm-hmm. to no man we're like we're here to get on the same page and to be locked together so that we can do something that's really hard and i just think like that's the philosophical change and you know i i know it sounds like i promise i do like people i promise i really do i love people <laughs> Um, and I know it sounds like callous to say like, Hey, if this isn't for you, that's okay. Like we'll help you find the right place to be. Like that's our philosophy. We're not desperately trying to hold every person we possibly can. We're not, we're not trying to provide every single program that's ever existed in a church. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're really focused, man. We know small groups is a thing that is going to like fuel what we do. Mm -hmm. We understand that Sunday worship, uh, keeps us connected. So Mm -hmm. we're really focused on doing that well. Uh, we understand that the mission, being a kind of church that would be missed in the world if we didn't exist, is like what we're about, right? So we're really mm-hmm. focused in our relationships with our local partners. Uh, I know it's like picking something up, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was, weird. I was like... Technical difficulties. He's Sorry. playing music. We don't right actually now. know what we're doing here. Um, so I just wanted to kind of talk through... And that's why we're okay being totally transparent, because if we're communicating with active members of the mission as opposed to consumers that we need to keep happy. It allows us to be open and honest and not afraid to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Even when we do something wrong or screw up, even when we don't get it right. And I do think that like in COVID, we didn't get everything right. We tried, yeah. we tried our best. You know, we made the decisions that we felt like in the moments was the best decisions for us to make. And, you know, I think people were pretty generous with us about the way that they handled it mm-hmm. because, I think they understood like we were doing our best and so was everyone else. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally. Like, yeah. but, but we were transparent the whole time. Yeah. Here's why we did this. Here's the conversation we had. Here's the decision we came up with. I, I'm totally fine with being questioned, honestly questioned about any decision we make. The The place where I get a little bit defensive is if you accuse, mm-hmm. like you, you, you see something and you think something's happening, but you don't ask the question. You make yeah. the accusation. Then I think we got some problems. Then mm-hmm. I think that that's like a, Mm-hmm. It's a pretty bad sign that our relationship is not so great. Yeah. Um, but as long as we are asking gen- like honest questions because we care about what we're doing here, yeah. then we're going to be as transparent as we possibly can. Yeah, I think the transparency piece is is actually very liberating. Um, it it frees you up from any sort of you know personal expectations or shame when it comes to your faith. Like one of the things that we talk about as pastors is like we'll see a family on a Sunday. And then we won't see them for like four or five weeks, you know? And that's not necessarily because they're like at home being sinners and they don't want to come to church. Like life is busy. We get it. Usually these are families with like multiple kids. Like, so there's no judgment on our part. You know, there's just desire. We want to see them more. We want them to be like you're saying, hip to hip, actively living out their faith and connected. And one of the best ways to do that, like maybe the only way to do that is to be present. So, like, if you are not trying to, even personally, not just your church, if you're personally not trying to spin your own faith narrative, 
that can be liberating too. You can just be honest about where you're at and what you need and what you can do and what you can't do. And then allow your peers, whether that's your church staff or your friends, your like people in your small group to surround you and love you and support you. So you can be better. Like that side of this coin is liberating as well. Not just for your church. One thing that as a parent, I am constantly trying to do with my kids is like they're five twins kind of the season we're in right now is like if something upsets them or makes them mad, like if, you know, Axel's sister does something to him or if Tori, if, if her brother does something to him, they go for like zero to 60 in like that. And that means they're like, they're trying to hit the other one or like throw something. They're so mad. They're yelling. And I'm like, I'm trying to teach them constantly instead of yelling or hurting, use your words. Like, ask a question. Like, why did you do that? Or use your words and come find mommy and daddy or grandma and grandpa who you're with. Like, use your words. Like, ask questions. That is, like, the child version of transparency of, like, tell us how you're feeling, what are you experiencing, and then we can help you. And so there is a church version of that, too. And that's essentially what we're asking people to do. Is like, we as a church want to be transparent so that you guys can trust in your leaders that our motives are pure, that we're still, it's about God, but we're also asking our people like you guys to be transparent with where you're at too, you know, cause that's liberating and that's very God honoring as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we try to be consistent with our values. We make our decisions. And so I just thought maybe it'd be a good time to re- review our values. I don't want yeah. to put I don't want to put either of you on the spot, but like maybe you want to review one of our values, Megan. <laughs> we test each other sometimes. Uh, Big K Kingdom, which we've been talking is about. one. Yeah. Um, all about to... community and all about the community. Yeah, tell us a little bit about all about community and all about the community. Um, people are made for relationships, so we want to do life and do ministry together as as a body. Um, and we're all about our Moundsview community and doing what we can to help and to serve, um, being a church that would be missed within our community if we weren't there. Yeah. Which I ask all the time, our partners, Hey, if we didn't exist, would would, yeah. that, would you feel that? Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah. yes, we definitely would. <laughs> In fact, it's funny now that they know that I care about that. Uh, the, uh, leader at Ralph Reader, she'll come up to me and be like, you know, you guys would really be missed if you weren't around. <laughs> I still think that they think we're going to pack it up any day because we're yeah. a temporary church and they don't understand the concept <laughs> of a temporary church. Well, we, right. don't, we don't have a trailer right now, so that's going to happen at least this weekend. We're just going to keep showing up. It's really funny. They're like, yeah. how, how are things going? I'm like, they're going great mm-hmm. and things are good. And then they're just like, wow, I just don't understand it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so. That's right. Uh, we are passionate about people who are not yet here or not here yet yeah tell me tell me a little about that i mean that one's pretty self-explanatory i mean it's it's about being externally focused as a church and it's about caring about not just the people who are in the room and with us who are a part of the mission already it's caring about those people who are undefined and unknown surrounding us in the community Mm -hmm. that can and come through our doors but that we might interact with in different ways whether it's just out in our own daily lives like if it's a coworker or a family member, a friend, someone you bump into at Target or at Cub Foods or whatever, like we are as concerned about those people as a church as we are about the people who are already here and on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, we're convinced Jesus' gospel is good news for all. I mean, that really is the rallying cry for all of us is that Jesus came to die for our sins. He is the author and perfecter of our salvation, and we can't really do much of anything without him. And so that is not only good news for us as believers, but that's such good news that we should want to share that with every single person out there. And that's what we try and do. Yeah. And I feel like this year, this is this this one in particular has kind of taken a new meaning for me just in our our digging into what the church was called to look like and not all of the extra things. Just like that that desire to just be a biblical church and not all of the other American Christianity things that have been added on over the years, but just like, what did Jesus call us to? That's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like back to basics kind of thing. Yeah. It's 
it's an anchor. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of theological drift, you know. I know I said I'm not really a theologian, but there is a lot of theological drift with sort of dealing with culture. And I get it. Like, it's not easy to deal with some of the weird situations that we're now dealing with as Mm -hmm. pastors and staff members and church leaders. There was no classes in seminary that taught us how to deal with some of the stuff that we're dealing with now that's just, you know, you get a... Uh, a gay couple that comes into your office with kids and they want to know they're married. They want to know they're thinking about divorce. Do you uh, give them counsel to stay married, get divorced? Like there's no class, there was no class in seminary about that. There's no passage as far as I can (laughs) tell in scripture (laughs) that tells you what to do about that. So like we're practically applying theology all the time. Mm-hmm. But we're anchored in the gospel. And we're anchored in uh, an orthodox viewpoint of scripture. Um, you know, and I, I think like we need to stay there. I think if you turn, like I said this on Sunday, if you turn left, you lose the power in, of the church. Like it just dies quick. You turn into a toothless uh, sort of organization that really isn't able to accomplish anything. And then if you turn right, you end up uh, essentially controlling and hurting and manipulating people to make sure that they're behaving the right way. Mm-hmm. And um, neither of those things are what we're going to go for. Mm-hmm. We're going to stay right anchored in the gospel and right in the middle of the Orthodox viewpoint on of scripture. And we're going to continue to apply this imperfectly to every situation that comes up in front of us. And we won't get it all right but we'll definitely have the heart to care for people and we'll definitely be anchored in mm-hmm. scripture and in, in the gospel. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, that's the best I can do guys. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, no, give me a very clean answer. It was like, you can get that in seminary. Uh, but we're dealing with real people here. Nobody's nothing's clean about any of this, right? It's, yeah. it's all very messy. Yeah. And, and Jesus didn't give clean black and white answers when he was asked questions. So he was a ninja. Yeah, about that, Jesus. That would have been real helpful. Um, do we do Imperfect Church? That's the only one that we haven't talked okay. about. That's the last one. Yeah, so we're an imperfect church for imperfect people. So that I think that if there's any of these values, of these five values that kind of get to the heart of this subject, this podcast, it's probably that one. That There are no expectations for perfection here for people coming in the door. And hopefully... Uh, you guys have some grace for your church too, that we're not perfect as well. Like (laughs) in many ways, like, you know, you've given several examples, even in this conversation about like going through COVID, like we're trying to be transparent. I'm going to tell you guys about the conversation we had as a staff. This is the conclusion we came to. Is this going to help everybody? Probably not. Do we think we're like perfect? You know, did we nail this one? We don't know. Like, like, we're just trying our best. And so, it's this notion that if you're coming from any sort of a church or a church tradition where perfection was expected or that was the goal, we're trying to break down those barriers and trying to help people understand that, you know, we're, we're gospel centered, we're God centered and we're, tr- and we're doing the best we can. Those are our motives. And that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. So, yeah. And I think there's a major danger in putting your, pastor pastors on a pedestal and raising them up uh, above everyone and saying that these people are perfect or have it all together. Mm-hmm. Like all you do in those situations is isolate those people and create more chance for burnout, more chance yeah. for failure, you know, more chance for immorality, for bad leadership, for unhealthy, you know, family situations. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're going to fight that one. Yep. We're going to, we're going to be real people, you know? Mm-hmm. So I haven't not yet hired a perfect pastor. I'm still looking. So once we find one, we'll have to change that. No? Okay. Just me. I mean, I am sitting right here. So <laughs> I don't know what I was say. waiting, yeah. Um, so, yeah. The perfect so, pastor is actually homesick. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think the just coming back to it, like, we're going to be transparent and we're going to be guided by making decisions on our values, not by and trying to keep everybody happy all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's enough trust built now with our people that they understand that there's no agenda here. 
you know, the agenda is to accomplish the mission and we're going to continue to do what helps us accomplish it best. Um, we're also not vilifying owning buildings or growing. Those are good things. Mm-hmm. Some of the time they're, they can be idols and can turn things sour as we've given examples of. Um, I love, by the way, what Mill City's doing. They like decided to stay in their school. Mm-hmm. They bought a building. Yep. They turned it into a ministry center where they can do yeah. stuff in the neighborhood like yep. six days a week. Because in their situation, they don't have a community center, so they don't have a, a place to meet for six yep. days a week. Hmm. They rent it out to other ministries or give it away for free. There's like three other churches that use it to like, hmm. like yep. they have three churches in like there. meet in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just such a really yeah. cool. Yeah. I mean, that church just, I love them. They blow my mind. Hmm. They're great. Yeah. And I mean, that way back when we were getting all the questions about buildings, like if you were to give me all the money in the world to build the perfect building, it would be a community center that we'd use seven days a week. Mm-hmm. We just already have that. Like, sure, would it be nice to be able to leave stuff set up? Like, yeah, would it be nice to have offices in the building? Yes. <laughs> um, maybe someday. Who knows what's going to happen? But it would be a community center where everybody knows where it is. It's, you know, in the community. We already have that. Mm-hmm. We don't need to build that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, too, like, so many of the things that we talk about through this series that we name as issues or as problems, maybe the better like lens through which to view those things is that these are things that were intended for good that have been abused. They're more, da- more, they can yeah. become dangers. Yeah. Have yeah. been mishandled. Right. Yep. yep. And so like, again, churches that have buildings, churches that are multi-site churches that have are big, like thousands and thousands of people, like those things in and of themselves are not inherently evil. They're not bad things. What if it does anything, it just, it, it amps up the pressure. It creates mm-hmm. an environment that is more apt to mm-hmm. chaos, that is more apt, like it's more prone to yep. dysfunction, conflict, abuse. So if you look at us at Pursuit, by comparison, we're in a pretty great spot because we are absent a lot of those things. We don't have the same pressure. We're not leaning towards dysfunction or leaning towards abuse or leaning towards other things that can go wrong. But if you also look at like how churches came about over the last hundred years, I mean, there's a reason why a lot of churches have buildings. It's because it is like you were just saying, Megan, it is easier to like leave things set up. It is easier to have a place where your small groups can meet and you can office and you can have the opportunity to do more functioning of the church. Um, so those are all things that we have to weigh and consider as time goes on and as, as the spirit leads us. But the good news for right now is that we're in a great spot. We don't need a space like that. And we're not like oriented in a way where we, like we want it. We have to have it in five years or something like that. That's where it could get super dangerous. I mean, I grew up in a church like that and it Mm -hmm. killed the church. (laughs) Like, yeah. So I keep saying, all right, God, if you want me to change my mind, like, you change could, my mind. Yeah. You could drop, <laughs> you could drop a huge donation or a, a building in our lap, and we'll have to reassess. Someone, yeah, God, you could move someone's hand to write that check tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you could drive that dump truck load of cash up to my house anytime you want. I, I'm uncomfortable with this. <laughs> so we just keep talking about it and be like, if anyone out there wants, where I'm kidding. Joking. So. <laughs> I think we've ended our last couple podcasts by saying, uh, text us and you'll get a emoji the first day we give you stars. And there's a bunch of people this week that were like, oh, I never texted you and I didn't get my emojis. What are my, no, you didn't text me. So as far yeah. as I'm concerned, you didn't listen. I got one text. You didn't fulfill the, the requirements. Um, this week, let's do gifts. Mm. <laughs> let's do gifts. Yeah. Oh yeah. Instead of an emoji, if you text us that you finished the, oh, the podcast, the podcast. Sorry, we're gonna pick a gift for you. I was like, what gifts do we have, <laughs> no. Megan? Gift. Where are these gifts? Um. Yeah, we'll send you a gift. That'd be that'd yeah. be fun. Why um, not? And uh, if you have a question you want us to deal with, or yeah, uh, deal with a specific topic, like love it, love mm-hmm. it. I think we're actually gonna attempt next week maybe to do this um, live online. We're going to stream it while we while we record it, um, and I think we'll probably choose a time frame. I'm thinking maybe like eleven o'clock would be the right way to go on Wednesday, because if somebody wanted to take their lunch break and log in, I suspect there will be no one. Um, 
prove us wrong. But if there's somebody <laughs> on there, they can ask a question live because we'll have it. Yeah. Tatum, Tatum Hathaway, we're looking at you. Well, Love the clock. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, or yeah. if you can't make that and you have a question you would like us to talk about, text us a question. Yeah. Or email yeah. us a question. Or better yet, Come to the office and have coffee with us, and we'd love to sit down. Yeah. I'd rather do it face-to-face. Come to the office, and we will buy you coffee. We will make you coffee. Aaron's buying coffee for everyone. So, that is kind of his job. (laughs) So, he's a pastor of connecting. He's supposed to go buy coffee for everyone. It's true. All right. Pursuit, we love you. Um, You're a fantastic church, and uh, thanks for making it easy for us to be transparent. So, we'll uh, we'll see you next week. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to talk about next week, but... uh, send us a question and maybe it'll spur some thought. I have a couple thoughts, but they're things I haven't wanted to talk about yet. So we'll see if we get into something really uh, difficult to deal with. All right, let me finish us in prayer. Jesus, thank you for giving us this church and this very clear mission. And um, I pray that you'd help us to um, fill this church with people who have the same vision as we do, who value the same things as you put on our hearts um, and God, that we accomplish this mission of reaching into this community, reaching uh, people who don't know you, reaching uh, through our partners um, and making a difference in such a way that we'd be missed if we didn't exist. Um, help continue to sharpen that viewpoint of who we are and what that mission is and uh, help us to continue to be making decisions around our values um, and not just trying to keep a group of people happy. Um would you help our church see themselves as the church and not as consumers, um, see themselves active in the mission, see themselves uh, daily available to the spirit mm-hmm. to be used by you in this world. And, uh, we ask that that would be the heart and soul of what is going on at this church in Jesus name. Amen. Yeah. Love All you guys. Right. All right, friends. See you Have next a good week. week. Bye.